If you know anything about professional bowling, you know that a physical game is absolutely vital. But also, you have got to have a pristine mental game if you are going to compete at the highest level, especially as a professional. And one of the things about a mental game is that sometimes it can be really volatile. No matter how much success you have had in the past or potential success in the future, a mental game is something that can be very subject to your environment. It can be very hard to control. You know, your brain is really good at kind of playing tricks on you. And sometimes it just gets the best of you. When the mental part of your game wasn't ever an issue, and now as you're deeper into your professional career, that can hit even harder because you're just not really sure what to do with it. It hasn't ever been an issue, and you've been able to focus so hard on the physical side of things and reach a pinnacle that most people will never reach. Sometimes when that mental hurdle starts to come around, it's really hard to manage. This week's 10 Pin Life podcast is all about one person's journey in realizing what that hurdle is and starting her process in getting over it. I was fortunate enough to be joined by Diana Zavialova, who is a two-time major champion, four-time PWB champion. She's an intercollegiate singles title holder. She won a team championship with Weber International in 2012. She is a storied and very successful professional women's bowler. But right before the U.S. Open on Instagram, Diana decided to make a long post about her struggles with mental health and her mental game and how it has impacted her success over the last couple seasons. So in this podcast, Diana and I take a deep dive into understanding how it is that she got into that rut within her mental game and what she's been doing to get herself out of it. If you like conversations like this or really just like bowling, please be sure to hit like, hit subscribe, and also share this episode with your friends. But that's enough out of me. Let's get to it. Well, yeah, actually, if it's okay with you, um, I have an idea on how to get started. A part of this is where I'm kind of running fast and loose a little bit because, um, you know, you you posted your um, note about mental health to Instagram and immediately I was like, she has more to this. She has more to say because there's, you know, as much as written word is great, um, I know that there's more to this. So to start off with, for those people that may not have seen it, your caption on one of the pictures that you posted on Instagram about a month ago now was, don't let yourself stand in the way. I'm in a very dark place mentally, and I'm okay with sharing that with you guys because I want to help whoever is going through tough times. I have learned in the past 18 months that mental health is more important than I could ever imagine, and your biggest enemy is your negative thoughts. I have learned that it can take you to such a dark place, and I guarantee you do not want to end up there because it is very hard to get out of it. The worst thing you can do is seclude yourself away from others because it can hurt them too. Let others, let others in and let them help you. Take care of yourself in your mind. Mental health is everything. That's how I wanted to start this, yeah. because you started okay. this yeah, conversation. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, by me. that's something that is definitely not talked a lot about. So, so yeah, tell me about that. I guess what inspired you to post that? I guess first off. Wait, are we already live? I live, so I'm I I start everything off recording. So I'm gonna do my oh, intro. We're li- yeah, okay. we're already Hi, going. I'm <laughs> <laughs> the cool part about this audience is most of them already know who you are. So we can kind of get into that um, here in kind of your history and in bowling and all that sort of stuff too. But um, I wanted to start it out in a unique way. You know, it, it is a bowling podcast, but um, you have a story to tell, and I want to know what it is. 
I have a lot of stories to tell, but okay. No, if we're live, we're going. You ask me questions, and I'll I'll share with everything I can share. Um, so yeah, okay. What was yeah. your question? Yeah. So you know, with that post, um, I was curious essentially. Um, what inspired you to put that out there? Because I know that it was relatively proximate to the Simone Biles stuff with the Olympics, um, but I don't know if it was necessarily inspired by that. Um, and I also know that it was right before, you know, it, it wasn't 2019 and 2021 seasons probably weren't up to the, the the level of success that you were probably hoping for. So I'm sure that there was a lot of that behind that. Um, and then it also kind of propelled you to making the show at the U.S. Open, which is pretty awesome. But I guess to what was your what what was the state of mind in making that post on Instagram and kind of what were you hoping to convey or just get out into the world? Yeah, there was a lot of things. Um, you know, social media is such a, I would say, dishonest place. Mm -hmm. um, so because most of the time we want to share the best things that happen to us, you know, like, oh, I won the Queens, I won this, like I just bought a car, I did this and this, right? So very rarely you see these posts that are talking about not so good things, right? And and mental, when people think about mental issues, it comes off as negative. It's like, oh, you know, maybe that person is not okay, like mentally something, you know? So it's such a negative thing. So I think that's why a lot of people are very scared to even talk about it. So, and, you know, I'm on social media more than I should be. And, you know, I've read these comments from the other bowlers, uh, meaning like the bowler would post a video, you know, because, she practices every single day and the comment is like, oh, you're the hardest working person, you know, and so forth. But just because I don't post that I practice every single day and I'm, you know, busting my butt off at the gym, it doesn't mean that I'm not, you know, working so hard. So mm -hmm. it was just like, it made me realize how social media is such a different world. Um, and I have been struggling mentally so much. And that's something I also noticed from other athletes, Eczema and Biles being one of the recent ones that I know of. Mm -hmm. um, and I've never heard of bowlers speak about it. And mm -hmm. I do know that others also struggle. Mm -hmm. um, so when I did, I decided to be very transparent and share, you know, with my um, mental health issues. Yeah. Um, so it was just kind of like, it made me realize how weird social media was. And I just wanted to be transparent. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and you know, that you have a very storied career up to that point. So, you know, I, I think what we can do is basically pull it, you know, how like Quentin Tarantino writes movies where he does the ending at the beginning and then he goes and circles back to like, you know, this is where we started in 1985 or whatever it is. Let's let's try that. I've never done this before in a podcast form. We're just winging it a little bit. But um, okay. tell me a little bit about how you started. I know you started at 10 over in Latvia and... Um, I guess, you know, what, if you could give the short story of the origins of your bowling life, how do you, how do you tell that story? Yeah, it is a very long story, but basically <laughs> I, I love sports. Like I was going to be an athlete no matter what sport it was going to be. Mm -hmm. I used to do like 10 different sports at the same time. And, you know, I just fell in love with bowling. And the way I started was my dad was just bowling for fun in league, like once a week and he had one ball. And I had nothing to do, so I went with him. And then I decided to bowl also, like, in the other lanes. And I just had so much fun. And this one lady, just, 
she happened to be there and mm -hmm. she, she actually was a coach. So she came up to me and my dad and she was like, oh, like, it looks like you're having fun. And you have like these little, you know, like technique that I've never even heard of before. And she's like, yeah, I can coach you, you know, once a week and this and that. And I was like, okay, like, fine. Mm -hmm. And then she started coaching me and I was in a group with the other kids and I was progressing a lot faster than they were. Then she mm -hmm. recommended me the other coach. So I just kind of kept like going up and up and up. And in twin, ugh, I don't know, I was like 13 or 14 years old. So mm -hmm. we had Sid Allen and Ruben Gregosian. Um, two worldwide known coaches. So they decided to come to my country and start a bowling program because we didn't really have like, you know, pro bowlers or big coaches, anything like that. So that's mm -hmm. what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And they saw me and they said I had so much talent and, you know, I could be a superstar one day. And I was like, oh, superstar, I want to be a superstar. <laughs> so it kind of like, you know, inspired me and um, I was working really, really hard. So I bowled seven times a week and for many, many hours, and, you know, I just got better, and um, made Team Latvia, won mm -hmm. medals for my country, um, and then I decided to go to college mm -hmm. in the U.S., and I was between Wichita and Weber, and I chose okay. Weber because of the weather, because I like, yep. you know, nice and sunny, and, <laughs> and I already knew some people from Kegel, from the, okay. like, the travels that I've done. Yep. So I just made my decision very easy. And at a time, there was no such thing as a women's store because it, yep. it was gone. Mm -hmm. um, so, and yeah, so when I graduated, um, I had about a year. I decided to bowl and I bowled against men. I bowled on PBA. I did awful. And then they announced the women's store. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. And yeah, and then I joined the tour and yeah. been bowling ever since. Yeah, I guess I did want to circle back to the college days a little bit because... I think, you know, if we're if we're going for a theme about mental health, when you were at Weber, you had the opportunity to work with Dr. Dean. I don't know how much, but he's mm -hmm. kind of like the name. Um, mm -hmm. What was that process like? Has that is that something that you've kind of called upon nowadays or kind of I know it was more team based back then. But what mm -hmm. was that process so, kind of like? I used to have an awesome mental game. Nothing was going to stop me. Um, I actually was even bullied in school when okay. I was younger sure. and, um, I was like, okay, this is still not going to stop me. So it kind of shaped me into this, you know, like tough yeah. girl. Yeah. Um, so in college I had the best mental game ever. Um, okay. and we did work with Dr. Dean and at that point it, for me, it was pointless because I was already like, you know, doing everything. And yeah. so uh, he worked with the team in general, and when he tried to work with me individually, he was like, yeah, you know, you're doing fine, like, mm -hmm. you know, no issues. Um, so that was the only time I worked with him, but now okay. I do work with somebody from my country. Oh, okay. Because so, I wanted to speak to somebody who is, um, like, in my native language and yeah. somebody who is not in the bowling industry. So yeah. So kind of like a different perspective. That's I like that approach to things quite a bit. That's um, I I I only speak one language, but I know if that I had to learn, you know, because there's so much. It's so there's so many little things that you can lose in translation in that process. That that's that's a I think that's a pretty awesome way of kind of um, approaching the the issue essentially. Um, before I jump to that one though, I'm really curious. Uh, was there a time that you can specifically say that Diana went from 
basically, when did you become a hard ass? I guess is the easiest way for me to put it. Like, when did you know, did you ever know, or did somebody tell you like, hey, you've got like this grit and like, just use it. Or have you always kind of just had that competitive drive and that ability to kind of zone in or how is that kind of, when did you know that that was something that you had? Um, I think I've always had it. Um, my mom used to be this awesome athlete. She was a swimmer uh, back in the USSR days, and she was just phenomenal. Um, so I think I had a little bit of her, like, sports things. Um, but I used to skateboard. I used to snowboard. I used to do karate. So I used to do, like, all these badass things, right? Yeah. And even though, like, my friends were like, no, bowling is not a sport. And, you know, skateboarding. Then mm. I was bullied because, oh, you're a girl. You're not supposed to skateboard. But, like, I didn't care. I was always like, I'm going to do what I want to do because it mm-hmm. makes me happy. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I've always had. Do you ever get in fights as a kid? Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I will My take that. My mom doesn't even know about it. But uh, when I was, yes, I did get in yeah. fights a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I don't think so. You got you to gotta learn, learn how to get that edge off sometime along the lines, right? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> when you moved over here um, for to Bullet Weber, like you said, there was no women's tour. Um, you knew the men's tour hadn't gone away. You know, collegiate bowling was pretty strong at that point um, on both men's and women's side. But like you said, there was no women's tour. But you came over here because you wanted to bowl. Did you have a plan when you got into college about what you might do after college? No, I've never had a plan. The only plan I had is I'm going to bowl. That's all I knew. I was going to bowl until, you know, I can't physically bowl. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and to be honest, I'm not a very good student anyway. So I went to Weber because I had, you know, like bowling was my priority, even though the coach is like, no, you know, like education is a priority. And I was like, yeah, 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 sure. But (laughs) back in my mind, I was like, no, like I'm here for bowling. So that's always been my number one priority and never really had a plan. Okay. Okay. So you could say that, I mean, a part of it is you got a little bit lucky that the tour came back, right? Yes. Very. I, if the tour didn't come back, I don't know what I would have done because I would try to bowl against the men. And, you know, obviously there's a little disadvantage for us because we don't have as much power and this Mm -hmm. and that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what I would have done. So I'm grateful that the women's tour is back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's been a huge blessing for the sport in general because mm-hmm. one of my one of my opinions, for whatever that's worth, is that the women are better bowlers than all of the men because you actually have to play the lanes the right way. You can't just get yeah, in and wheel on it and overpower everything. And um, it's it's kind of like. Um, Like when I watch golf, you can like if you watch or if you're a golfer, if you ever watch golf, like you can appreciate how hard something is. And I think the women Mm -hmm. highlight how difficult bowling can be um, when it's done the right way. And like, I I just I don't know, as someone who's really, really close to it, I really prefer to watch the women for whatever that's worth. But I hear that a lot, actually, because a lot of um, people tell me that the girls are more focused on fundamentals. Yeah. To where the guys are like, oh, I'm just going to have 700 rib rate and, you know, right. strike. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's, um, I, I think that that's been highlighted, especially the last few years. Not to say that any of the guys are untalented, but I mean, as much as Jesper is a great bowler, his footwork is so freaking weird. It's like, you just don't see that on the women's tour. And then I watch it and I'm like, he repeats it. He's got a lot yeah. of talent. He's really good at it, but man, it makes no sense at all. 
<laughs> yeah, but even Walter Ray Williams, one of the greatest yep. of all time. Yep. Like, if you just look at his physical game, it's awful. <laughs> like, how can you even repeat that? Yep. But he has the most titles out of everybody on the yeah. planet. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. I, I, I will never understand how he turned the 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 best horseshoe game in the world into the best bowling game in the world. <laughs> yeah. I, I love how that's just he that's it's he's bowling is his second sport and he's the best that there ever was. Yep. Um so you graduate from college, you got your degree in I believe sports management. Um you sports kind business of business management. Or yep. yep. So you gotta have you've got this like year of not really sure what's going to happen. And then, you know, thankfully the women's tour comes around. And in that, I mean, you, you won the Queens when you were a senior, uh, going into your senior year of college, if I recall correctly, you win the mm-hmm. I, um, inter, intercollegiate singles championship, your singles uh, for your senior year. So you're like, you're like as high up in the bowling world for your age group as humanly possible. You're, you graduate a major champion and a singles champion. Mm-hmm. Where was your head at when you graduated college? I wish I knew because I, I wanted to get my head back to that. Yeah. Well, I guess it goosebumps like just thinking about um, back then when things just seemed easy. Um, I honestly don't know where my head was. I was just, you know, bowling what I could. And and um, I think the biggest difference is now I bowl for a living. Mm-hmm. So it is such a big pressure that a lot of people don't understand because with this is what I pay for my house and car and like everything, right? Mm-hmm. Back then I was still in college, so right. I wasn't doing anything for a living. I was still studying, mm-hmm. so I didn't have any pressure at all. So I just mm-hmm. bowled because I loved the sport. Mm-hmm. So, um, so my head was like not having any pressure at all back then. When you graduated, did you transition directly into bowling full time or was there a period of having like a day job and then bowling as kind of like a a side hustle type thing? No, I've never worked in my entire life. (laughs) You've Um, never had a job ever? (laughs) Never. That's that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been very um, blessed, I guess, with the bowling industry. Um, So yeah, when I graduated, I just, I bowled. Uh, I tried to bowl some PBA events. It was very not successful. Um, I honestly can't really remember much because I think I was in this cloud nine after winning mm-hmm. Queens and, you know, graduating and I didn't have any plans. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. So I, I moved to Vegas because I met someone and I was just kind of living, you know, day by day and kind of seeing what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So and then I was very lucky that they announced the tour the following year. Yeah. Yep. And then tour comes back around and first couple of years uh let's see because you won the queens again in 17 but you won another you won a title the first year if i remember correctly so you have mm-hmm. four four titles two of which are majors um you have a couple um world bowling tour titles which were in the early or late 2000s my 2016 my, or yeah yep um so my memory is good it's just short uh <laughs> And then, so you, so you, 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 you graduate college and it, it, it really, it can't get a whole lot better than where it was at. Like, that's about the pinnacle of like, of, um, achievement, I guess, maybe not necessarily performance, but definitely like you're, you're wearing titles around your neck when you graduate college that a lot of people are looking up to. 
and then tour comes around and you have some early success. Um, you know, I, Liz Johnson kind of ran everybody over those first couple of years because she didn't really stop and she was already a legend at that point. Um, but you still, you still had that title. You were top 10 in points, if I remember right, right up there. Um, and you, when you did your interview with Brad and Kyle a few years ago, um, you talked about how winning is everything. Like that's the thing that kind of pushed you. Now, now that we're here today, is winning still everything? I'm trying to get there. Yeah, um, that's like my ultimate goal. And I think once I get there, um, my mental state is going to be a lot better. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we can talk about it also here soon about, you know, mental and the negative mm-hmm. thoughts and not mm-hmm. believing in myself and all that. So, yes, I'm still trying to find that Diana yep. that, you know, knows how to win. Um, and I, this year I've come close with the majors because mm-hmm. I made show with both of the majors. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just unfortunate. But you also were on the show and you were also yeah. I mean, you know, for that U.S. Open show, um you know, you talked about it, I believe, in your um, post post game conference after you after you and ended up losing that first match. That it was like I hit the pocket ten times on this yeah. pattern. Which, if anybody knew what you were bowling on, they were like, "Holy cow! How did she hit the pocket ten times?" Because that fourth pattern was brutal, brutal. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, so I commend you on being able to do that too, because number one, making it's impressive as all hell, but also to play that part of the lane, doing what it is that you were doing and hit the pocket 10 times results aside. Good job. You deserve some credit for that. Um, but, um, I'm going to circle back to what you just said, because it was something that I had written down here is this idea that you have said multiple times is, um, the idea of that Diana, who is that Diana? How do you explain that to maybe somebody who's curious about it? I can explain it in one word, one word, and that's confidence. Okay. That's something that I haven't had in a long time, and I'm working to get back there. But if you watch, like, you know, when I first, like, even in college, like, I was this very fierce and confident bowler, um, and the whole team could rely on me if I needed to strike, you know, because I was anchoring a lot. I would do it, and, um, like, you know, the Queens that I've won and like the, the things that I've won, mm-hmm. you can just see the look on my face. It was different because I was just confident and I, I knew I was going to win. Not mm-hmm. that I was going to win, but I had like that feeling. Right, right. Yeah, there was never a doubt. There wasn't like this yeah. voice in the back of your head saying you you maybe maybe not saying that you can't, but like maybe you won't is maybe a better way of putting it. Right. Like just that little mm-hmm. hint of self-doubt. Um. Yeah. I guess before, because because I know that there's a, I have a bajillion questions once we get into that. But so my friend Kayla, her and I went and bowled a tournament this last weekend, and we both sucked and whatever. It's fine, you know. Uh, but we were driving back, so it was like four hour drive home, and I asked her, um, like, what do you want me to ask Diana? So I have to do this for Kayla, and it was okay. um, what because you bowl, you, all you do is bowl. Like you said, you never had a job in your whole life. Um, what, what does it actually take to bowl full time? Because I think that's going to play into some of the, the confidence things in, in the mental game, you know, it, but like, what does that actually take to be able to 
knock over 10 pins on 60 feet of lane as your full-time job? Yeah, it takes a lot more than you can even imagine. Cause, um, a lot of times, you know, when I travel or I go to the bank, like, and oh, they ask, like, what do you do for a living? And I was like, oh, I'm a professional bowler. And like, oh, that's so cool. Like, you know, and I tell them like, oh, I get to travel the world. I've been to 56 different countries. Like, you know, so they hear all these nice things like, oh, you know, I'm jealous. That's, you know, really awesome. But they don't realize what it takes to get there. Right. So I'm gone. Well, prior COVID, I was gone half of the year away from the home. Mm-hmm. So the traveling, it's just, it, it wears you out, you know, like um, on a women's tour, I leave every Thursday. I come back every Sunday, you know, like week after week after yep. week. Yep. Um, it's very tiring and you also have to be in a very good physical shape because mm-hmm. we bowl so many games like the u.s open our last tournament i bowled 56 games that's without even practice in like five days right that's a lot so you have to be you know physically strong and so i obviously work out a lot um and practice a lot and it mentally takes so much because you have to focus every single tournament every game every shot and like this year I'm having really bad season. And a lot of times I think about, Oh, well the last tournament, I didn't even make the cut, mm-hmm. you know? So like these thoughts like creep in your head and it makes it even harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's very hard, but the winning makes everything worth it. Okay. So. So, so is it fair to say then that winning is still everything? Is that yes. still the mindset? Like that's still like the yes. ultimate driving factor for you? It is hundred okay. percent. Then, yep. then, Okay. So I would say, at least from an outsider's perspective, that I don't think that your physical game is necessarily a barrier. Is that fair to say? Uh, I mean, I've, I have so many people tell me like, oh, you throw the ball so good. Yeah. I've always hated my physical game. I think it's awful. <laughs> like I, I always hated it. Every, everything about it is awful, in my opinion. So I, I try to fix it and change it and make it to where I like it. But then I realize I'm never going to like it. So as long as I can just repeat what I'm doing. Um, so, yes, my physical game is good. I proved it at the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm never going to like my, the way I bowl. So. That's crazy. That's so, yeah, that's so, it's so, I mean, I, I can't really fault you, right? Because everyone's got their own thing, but. Like, you got to tell me why that is, at least a little bit. Like, what is it about? Is it anything specific or is it the whole thing? It's just the whole thing. And because have you ever met someone who's like, oh, my God, I throw the ball so good. I mm. love the way my swing is. That's true. Like, I don't think so. So Not- every person I've talked to, they're like, oh, like, you know, my like Verity Crawley, one of my best friends, mm-hmm. her physical game is flawless. Yeah. But like she's been working on it for years. And mm-hmm. I'm like. Like what is there possibly to work on, right? So when you look at your own game, you you see these tiny, tiny details that nobody else sees. Mm -hmm. So I think it's for me just like magnified. Yeah. Do you know Um, does does Verity grind herself into the ground in a similar way that you do? (laughs) I'm I'm extreme. Yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) Because she also like at this point she knows that she throws it really good. Yeah, that was my dog. It's all good. But um, she knows that her physical game is really good and she believes it. So also that's why she's performing really good now. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I, I'm just extreme. I I know my game is not as bad as I think it is. Right. Right. Um, So yeah, I, but I, but again, you know, this whole thing, I, I, as there's probably a bajillion questions I could ask you about your physical game. 
but I'm not going to. I'm going to abstain from that because it'll probably just irritate you, and that's that's fine. Probably. <laughs> You're probably just tired of all those questions, right? Like, you throw it so good. How do you do it? I hate it. That's why. Um, but um, I am so curious about that process of going from what many would say is a pinnacle maybe not the pinnacle you know you're not you, you haven't gotten to the point of you know what liz johnson has done let's just all put it out there liz johnson is the best female bowler of all time and it's a, that is yep. a very tall mountain to climb however mm -hmm. You graduate college at 22, 23, however, however old people are when they graduate college. Um, mm -hmm. And like I said, you're at that pinnacle. And then it's not that it has been a slow decline, but the world has kind of caught up to you. Is that a fair way of putting it? I would say so, okay. yeah, because I became an adult. I have to, you know, rent a house, and now I'm looking into buying a house and, you know, a car mm -hmm. and everything. So mm -hmm. I have these, um, you know, expenses, and, and um, yeah, like I have to survive. Right. So, so, so it puts all that uh, pressure on me when I bowl. Yeah. But I, everybody feels that, though. That, so. But that doesn't make it any less real. Yeah, no, it doesn't make it less real. So tell me about that. What are so in your post you kind of talk about barriers. You kind of talk about yourself being in the way of your own productivity and your own capacity. But for you, have you been able to quantify the barriers or or even define what it is that's kind of holding you back? Like do you know what the things are that you're working on are? Yes, it's all what, up here. So like, like more specifically though, like what is, cause for, is it, is it distractions? Is it like things that, you know, in the moment, right? If you're, if you're bowling a, an a eight game qualifying block and you're just distracted, you know, it, it's, it's just taking away from what you're trying to do in that moment. So you've got that potential option or is it um, negative self-talk or like, what is the, what is the actual things that you're trying to work on that is in your mental game? Okay, so um, if if we go back to prior my mm -hmm. issues with my mental head, yeah. um, you know, everybody has bad seasons. It's mm -hmm. normal. Like, you know, I had one year where I was bowling really well. I won major, and then next year I, you know, didn't make any show. So it happens. That's bowling. You're not going to always make the show mm -hmm. unless you're Liz Johnson. But <laughs> <laughs> that's true but um like i actually reached out recently well like a few months ago i reached out to jason bamonte because mm. uh one of the recent years he had he didn't even like he didn't win a single title yep. and for the world it's like oh my god how did jason bamonte not win any titles yep. right Yep. when he was averaging of winning like, I don't know, four or five titles a year. Mm -hmm. So everybody saw that season. It was like, oh my God, what happened to Belmo? And then of course, next year he comes back and he wins player of the year, whatever. And so I thought that's what was happening. I just had a bad season. So, you know, I was reaching out for help because mm -hmm. at, at this point I was done with, you know, not winning and making the shows. Mm -hmm. So um, we got on the phone and we talked for a long time and, he helped me a little bit. So it was nice to hear like his perspective and it happens. Like it, it really happens. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I was still bowling really bad and I had three events in a row in a women's store this year where I didn't make the cut, like not a single cut, like three events in a row, which mm -hmm. in my opinion, it's unacceptable. Like at my level. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, okay, like something is really happening. And then I started analyzing, okay, what really is happening? 
and it was the negative self-talk and I like before this whole issue like if you ask me before the tournament, like oh are you gonna win I'm gonna say yes of course I'm gonna win that's why I'm here right yeah. I have this confidence and everything mm -hmm. but then this year it's like if you ask me if you're gonna win my answer is no like I'm not going to win because I don't think I can. Right. Mm -hmm. So something must have happened in my head and mm -hmm. I decided to get help sure. and um, working now with a sports psychologist from back home. Mm -hmm. And like she was asking all these questions. So she was just trying to understand what really happened. And she dug really deep and she, well, we realized that in 2020, the women's tour didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Right. So they canceled the tour, but a month before that, my grandma had passed away okay. and she was actually the one that raised me when I was younger. So I yeah. lived with her and everything. And I never experienced like a family death before. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, it's something that hit me really hard and like, and because of the COVID, I couldn't even fly home. I couldn't even go to the funeral, like nothing. And the way she passed away, she was in a hospital and even like my mom couldn't come see her. So mm -hmm. it was just a really, really bad situation. And then, yeah few weeks later they announced that the women's stores canceled yeah so it was like two like major losses mm -hmm. like within such a short period of time mm -hmm. and um and then it just kind of went downhill and then i wasn't like when the tour came back the in january we had the swing and mm -hmm. i did not bowl very well and i realized i started talking to myself very negatively mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. and that's um like with my post that I was saying that I got in my own way and I have many examples, but one of the recent ones was when we had a tour stop in Arlington a few months ago. Mm -hmm. um, I was in the show, like going into, I don't know, I don't remember now, I think it was four games or something and I was doing really well. And then going into that one game, I had my mom there and I had my boyfriend there and I came back to my boyfriend, I was like, I'm going to ball like shit this game. And I turned around and walked away and I shot 120 mm -hmm. something, mm -hmm. my career lowest game. Mm -hmm. So I already told myself mm -hmm. that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to ball really bad and I'm not going to make the show. And of course I missed the show. So that's just like one of the examples of like, you know, I got in my own way. Yeah. What stirred so, that thought out of you? What made you think you were going to ball so bad that game? It's just, this devil sitting on my shoulder and telling me all these bad things. So was it like a um, bad pair or was it like, cause, cause you were in the show, right? So it's like, like by the numbers compared to the field, you were well above, you know, where, where everyone else was, but what, what was the it's, thing? Um, recently I've, you know, I've been talking very negatively to myself mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. myself. Like, Oh, like when I need to, you know, have a good game to make the, the cut or show whatever, I fail. Like, that's the one, like, I've mm. been, you know, saying, like, oh, I'm a failure, like, I'm mm -hmm. not good enough, and this and that. So it was like, oh, okay, well, here we go again. You know, I have a chance of making the show, and I'm about to shoot one, you know, an awful game, and I shot 120. Mm -hmm. Like, how, you know, so I, I told myself this is going to happen. Okay. Pretty much. So those are, like, the negative things that um, yeah, been happening to me, and mm -hmm. I... I've done it to myself mm -hmm. and that's something that me and my psychologist are working on to fix that. When did you realize it was a problem? How long did it take? Like into the season? Well, 
in that situation when I shot 120 mm -hmm. and then, you know, I missed the show and I got in the car and I, I drove home and, yeah. um, you know, Verity, she actually was number one seed yep. and, you know, Arlington is only 30 minutes away from home. And I was so frustrated and embarrassed and everything that you could think of. So I went home mm -hmm. and I wasn't even there to watch my best friend bowl for another title, yeah. right? Cause she was the number one seed. Yep. So I, I just, secluded myself in this bubble and that's another thing that i meant when i made mm -hmm. that post um mm -hmm. don't push other people away and mm -hmm. and at that point the girls they already indicted they didn't know what was happening to me mm -hmm. so they just thought i was just you know being angry and and you know whatever yeah but i hadn't shared what i was going through with them at that time so then right. after like after the event we talked and we cried and mm -hmm. you know i shared everything with them um so and that's what i mean like if you do go through something Mm -hmm. Like share with your closer ones because they're always going to be there um, to help. Mm -hmm. You know, there's something um, as a spectator uh, that's interesting because I watched that show and in the background, um, you can see Daria watching uh, during the title match. And I didn't know anything about your story about how you bail, you know, left early and all that. But what I noticed was that, she was she looked to be like the most down in the dumps I've ever seen Daria. Now obviously I'm not her best friend. You've definitely seen her more, you know, probably a lot more of her and a lot more negative and all that sort of stuff. But like typically she's kind of a more animated person and like, you know, a little bit more jubilant maybe is a is a good way of putting it. And it was like she was just sitting there and just watching quietly. And I was like, that's weird. Like Verity's bowling for a title and she's just sitting there watching. And I'm like and she might not have even known it. Maybe you'll have to ask her about it if maybe you know. But, like, um, as a spectator watching that show, um, you know, on my iPad, I'm like, something, something's weird there. Like, maybe she just bowled like crap. I don't know. Um, but I, I, that's, you know, when you talk about opening up, when you talk about having a close-knit group of friends, um, how has the process of that vulnerability gone? I guess maybe is, is what I'm curious about because, you know, it was very obvious to now that she was probably wearing, you know, that pain for you a little bit, right? Because she's close to you and she doesn't want you to feel, you know, that negative emotion. Uh, but then you get through it. Then you, then you talk about it. Then you get it out into reality. And yes, you go through the, the crying process and like re, you know, it, basically just engaging that negativity um, as a means to express it, just get it out into the world because then we can manage it. Um, what was that kind of like? Like how, how did that process go? Yeah. So, cause Verity in Arlington, she made two shows yep. or all three shows. Uh, no, she, made she made all three. three I think, I think she made two she title made matches though. Shows. Yeah. So the very first one was where she was the number one seed mm -hmm. and, and I, I left, um, and then when I got home, because I was obviously watching her, like, you know, from my phone, and yep. I was, I'm always supporting her, yeah. but I was sitting at home, and that was before the girls even knew what I was going through, and yeah. I was like, I probably should be there, but then, you know, my yeah. negativity and all that was like, no, 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 like, I don't want to be around anyone, and especially, like, when I was going through something really bad, I don't want to be around other people, Yeah. so I just kind of, you know, put myself in a bubble at home, mm -hmm. and, um, then the second show, Verity also made it, and I also mm -hmm. wasn't there. Um, and then we had a practice session for the third pattern, for the third event, yeah. mm -hmm. and I could just feel something was off. And 
I came up to Daria and I was like, hey, uh, is there any mad? And she was like, yeah, of course she is. Like, of course, you live 20 minutes away, right? Yeah. So, and then, like, after practice session, I sat down with Verdi and I shared everything that was going on with yeah. me and, you know, the, the thoughts I've been having and everything. And so we cried and we hugged and everything. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, for the third show, I was there. Yeah. Um, but I was just, yeah. yeah. So that's my message to people is not to push anyone away because right. it really can hurt other people. And I think, or I, I know that I hurt one of my best friends. Mm-hmm very badly so and thankfully you guys are able to circle it back and probably get a little bit closer because of it too you didn't just let it you you, as much as you make a mistake in the moment you were able to kind of get through it and then end up in a better place not necessarily because of it but because of the fact that you addressed it right yeah now she also understands you know what i was going through so yeah it's like not that it was um, an excuse, but yeah. it's more forgiving, I guess. Right, right. Yeah, you had a you had a good reason for it. Like as much as it sucks, it's like, well, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. then you go um, and you know you're working with your the sports psychologist over in Latvia. Um, what was that process like? What was how did how yeah. did that kind of go? So I work with her through Zoom because yeah. flying to Latvia is very expensive <laughs> yeah. every single week, right? So we have um, like weekly Zoom uh, meetings and we talk and uh, she's been very helpful. She gave me like some homeworks to do and and she put the things in perspective. Okay. Um, and like my biggest thing was the negative thoughts mm-hmm. um, and really talking badly about myself to myself. Um then the other thoughts that I don't really want to share, but it happens. So she told me to like when I'm bowling, if I do have that thought, Mm -hmm. sit down and like in my notebook, write like the positive thoughts. So try to like change, you Mm -hmm. know, the thought. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's been very, very helpful and and, um, she's been very great. Mm -hmm. And um I took all of the notes that we were working with um, to the U.S. Open, yeah. and my mental game was phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. The U.S. Open, like I felt like I was getting very close to being, you know, the Diana that I want to yeah. be. That you know, I know it that I am. So um, how do you how do you practice that process? Is that something that you have implemented when you're practicing, or is it only during competition that you're kind of going through that motion of? converting a negative into a positive no it's both because mm-hmm. i have very bad practices all like today i had quite bad practice um but it's doing practice during competition especially at home also like sit down and visualize and imagine yourself performing well and remembering yourself when you were doing well so it's like imagine and relive my queen's show mm-hmm. you know how i was you know thinking then and how i was acting and everything mm-hmm. so. i know that you have said in the past that you generally like have a hard time remembering those like super zoned in moments so like the, the the second time that you won the queens that it's like you're so like in it that you don't really mm-hmm. remember it when you go back number one do you go back and watch it and if you do yeah. um does it feel like you're watching somebody else or can you re-put yourself back in those shoes so before i actually used to watch my shows all the time just to get like you know pumped up and like oh you know i just won yeah. and you know it's like trying to win again um 
Sometimes I do get goosebumps because I really remember that moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, But sometimes I just watch it as if I'm watching somebody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that ever feel like it's got to feel weird sometimes when it's like you're you literally you know the face that's on TV. And my face says everything. If I'm happy, you'll know I'm happy. If I'm mad, you'll know. Like I have this face that just you can read me 1000%. And a lot of times. Like when I go back to my show and I'm like, what are you thinking? Like, why are you looking like this? Like, why are you making this face? You know, like, yeah. why? Yep. <laughs> so you, like, why are you being so awkward? <laughs> would you say that, um, you know, pr- you know, prior to kind of realizing, you know, that you've had the issues with your mental game that you bowled generally angrier or like, was there like, what was the general like emotion of what, like went those times when you're really, really just kind of running the field over and, and winning tournaments? I've had both where if I'm angry, like mm-hmm. I said, if I miss a spare, which I hate, like, oh, yeah. it drives me crazy when I miss a spare, I'm going to become angry and I'm going to start striking. Okay. So, like, my bowl reps in the past have said, like, okay, you need to get angrier because that's usually when you bowl better. Mm-hmm. So it's either that or I just have to be, like, in this zone. But mm-hmm. it's very, very difficult to get in that zone where you just, like, you know 100% what you're doing and everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's it's always something because, you know, as much as you can watch qualifying on bowl TV and all that, it's always at the back of your head. So I can't see your face most of the time <laughs> when, when you get to it. And it's like that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, when when I posted that um, video during the practice session at the US Open, when you stoned that eight pin, because I was just it was just on at work and I was just watching it and I was like. I'm so glad that she's laughing because, and that it's practice because I would have been so mad. That was just so brutal. But um, I leave so many stone eight pins. It's unreal. Is so that, many. that's like, why? Like, I, you know, it, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't know. It just happens. And it's funny because in practice, if I leave stone eight, my boyfriend's like, okay, you're throwing it really good. Yeah. I'm like, okay, like yeah. that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. And so now it's kind of like a positive thing. Mm-hmm. So in the tournament, if I leave a stone eight, like in the past, I'd be mad. Like, why the bowling gods are not on my side. <laughs> but now I'm like, oh, I left a stone eight. That means I'm throwing it good. So, yeah. okay, like let's keep going. I, I, I did make that, um, I wouldn't call it a joke, just that observation of one of my friends about a year ago because he left – he left like three or four stone eights in a three game set during league. It was ridiculous. And I was like, well, clearly you're throwing the right ball because your ball's just hitting that five pin so hard. It just doesn't know what to do. <laughs> but I, it, that's a good, that's a good way of kind of controlling that though, because that's, that's probably, that's a precursor to um, turning a negative thought into a positive thought. Right. It, it's like, yeah. well, yeah, that sucks. I don't like leaving eight pins because I clearly threw that ball really well. But also, I threw it really well. Like, yeah. that's great. Um, have there been any in-game, in-competition, um, like anything that's like that happens when you're bowling that has been more of a significant trigger for negative thoughts? You said kind of you highlighted like missed spares, but yeah, missing spares. It instantly triggers like the worst thoughts in my head. Yeah. So especially lately, because I've I've missed so many single pins and in my mind it's just unacceptable like missing a single pin is all in your head because you're still thinking about the previous shot so because my confidence is not where it should be 
and I've missed so many spares. Now I'm like, oh, so I'm standing. I'm like, oh, God, I just hope I'm not going to miss this one also. And then yeah. that's already a negative thought. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes me miss even more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I'm just, um, I'm thinking about the U.S. Open a lot because I did so well and I'm so proud of my mental game that I'm trying to like bring it to our next swing. Yeah. So. Yeah. How are you kind of trying to encapsulate that? Because you guys bowl in a month in Reno. Um mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's one of the, it's, if I remember right, it's three events in one week or like 10 days, something yep. like that. So how are you trying to bottle that up and bring it with you to, uh, to Reno? Yeah, I'm just uh, going to mentally do the same thing that I was doing at the US Open, which literally before every single shot, I told myself five times, one shot at a time. Mm-hmm. So trying not to get ahead or even if I miss the spare or something, like not think about it. Like literally, so I'll be there like one shot at a time, one shot at a time, like literally telling myself. Yeah. Um, but I, I hate Reno. I hate bowling in Reno. <laughs> My ball reaction in Reno is just awful. Um, but I made the show, the Queen's show in Reno. Yeah this year so i think i changed my my um history i guess in reno so it's kind of like a positive thinking that okay i made the show this year in that stadium so Mm -hmm. it's time to do it again Mm -hmm. but in the past oh my god that place (laughs) hates me well you're not (laughs) left-handed that's a lefty house exactly exactly (laughs) i agree (laughs) you said that you've been to now 56 countries right What's your favorite place to bowl at? To bowl at yeah. and to be in is going to be different yeah. countries. Let's do um, let's do one so of my each. My favorite country, favorite country in general, would be Thailand. I've been there so many times, just for vacation and bowling. Just because if you want like a crazy nightlife, you go to Bangkok and it's just you know crazy. But then if you want to go to the ocean and relax, and so then you can go to like Phuket or Pattaya or like somewhere in the coast. Yeah. And the food is phenomenal. Like I love fruit and seafood and everything. So Thailand as a whole has everything that I like. Yeah. So um, the favorite place to bowl in, it changes. Yeah. The last place you won, <laughs> um, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but I would have to say um, Qatar. Oh, okay. Because... I won the World Bowling Tour uh, in 2016, and I beat Belmo in the semifinals. So I'm gonna remember that forever. Hell yeah! So that's yeah. awesome. And, yep. Uh, yeah, and then tell me a little bit about um, if 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 you're good with it, because I'm curious how it how the two things relate. Kind of going back to 2020, uh, you said Grandma raised you. Did grandma, did grandma push bowling? Was like, was grandma really no, in? No, she's never seen me bowl. Like not oh, even okay. one time. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was then, so then my next question is when you were younger and, you know, getting into, even just into college and stuff like that, was bowling ever like a release? Cause I, like if you were, you know, everyone was a teenager once we've all been there, you know, you're angsty, you're pissed off at something or over emotional about something else was bowling ever the thing that was like no i'm gonna go there because that's my center point or has it always just been kind of a competitive place for you i've never really thought about it um but it was it's always been a very competitive place for me Mm -hmm. and i love that environment yeah so i guess it's also like my safe place yeah and like the place that i love Mm -hmm. so yeah the reason that i ask is just with in 
you know, I've I've been through family loss and that sort of stuff. And so, you know, you kind of need that that central thing, right? Like, like I'm going to shut off for a while, guys, because everything hurts. Um, and, you know, and when you go through that process, it, it sucks no matter what, no matter how how strong of a central point you have, no matter how good of a release you have, you're going to have to feel that pain at some point. If you can distribute it over time, sometimes it's a little bit easier. But I was curious about bowling being a centering point because that process of going through that and then your centering potential centering point being stripped out from under your feet. Um, you actually today, just for research purposes, I went back and watched your podcast that you did with Emil and Aaron for the PWBA podcast. And I was like right in that zone. And they talked about how, you know, that was that you were pissed off about the fact that you didn't uh, kind of agree with that decision and not have that have the tour. So I was just curious if those two things might have been interconnected and like kind of a kind of a two like two connecting things that maybe have had started the path into where kind of you're at. It's well, in 2020, like them canceling the tour changed mm-hmm. my life completely. Yeah. Cuz I I mean that's what I do for a living. Right. So like you took and and as cliché as it sounds, like bowling is my life. Like yeah. everything I do is for bowling. Like everything I have in my life is because of bowling. My my friends from all over the world, my boyfriend, like everything, everything you know, yeah. it is bowling. So as cliche as it sounds, bowling is everything to me. It's my life. Mm-hmm. And them announcing that the tour wasn't going to happen, it's like you took my life away. Mm-hmm. So it was very, very heartbreaking. And uh, yeah, when I did this podcast with Emil, I was like, I don't agree with it, but it's not yeah. my place to you yeah. know, decide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, you you can be yeah. you can be okay with it and also be not okay with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. how did you survive 2020 if you've never had a real job? I just like everybody else. <laughs> I mean, I've had some good seasons in the past and yeah. I'm fortunate um to have really amazing sponsors. Good. Um so they helped out and um yeah try to survive just like everybody else. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of people have had their livelihoods kind of just taken out from under their feet. Um, and I'm glad that it wasn't something that got to the point where you couldn't do it anymore. Cause I think that's a lot of people that had, you know, more prototypical work lives, um, everything shifted. So I'm, I'm glad that that wasn't taken away from you. Um, But also because of COVID and because, you know, everything was happening, um, I was pretty much forced to have a plan B mm -hmm. um, because I I didn't know if the tour was going to come back. Nobody knew because, you know, they took a loss. Everybody took a loss. Right. And uh, the the women's tour already folded once. So it didn't mean that it couldn't fold again. So I had that thought in my head also, like, what if it doesn't come back? What am I going to do then? Yeah. And, um, and my boyfriend was like, so what, what's the one thing you're passionate about? I was like, well, fitness. Mm-hmm. So when I uh, went ahead and I decided to become a certified personal trainer, oh, awesome. trainer yeah. and a nutritionist. So I already have certifications in that one. And now I'm studying to become a uh, strength and conditioning coach. Um, so if something happens with bowling and I can bowl, then I can be in the fitness industry. Nice. Um, and that's a multi-billion dollar industry and it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I do have some plans of combining bowling and fitness and helping other people to get in better shape. That's awesome. So, 
that's so, yeah. yeah, that's that actually. Um, so one of the things that I'm super curious about because you've been around since the reinception of the tour, and um, you know, you are one of the more popular i don't want to say that there is a most popular player on the women's tour but you're definitely upper echelon like a tier from a popularity's perspective um what would you say or what in your opinion what is something that the bowling in general could do better to grow the sport find sponsors how or I guess like, yeah, I guess give me, give me more on that one. Maybe not, I'm not worried about how you're going to sell them, but like, I guess my ultimate, like a dream is to be an Olympic champion. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think I can speak for everybody in our bowling industry that we would love to be in in the Olympics. Yeah. So, um, but in order to get there, I think we need to have bigger price funds and to do that, we need to find sponsors. Mm -hmm. So, and that's something that, is not easy to mm-hmm. do also. Um, but if there's one thing that I could change is to, to have a price fund uh, a lot higher, mm-hmm. because if you really look at pro- professional bowlers, mm-hmm. we don't get paid nearly as much as we should no. because we are the best that there is. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you look at any other sport, like the best in their sport, I mean, they're, they're making millions. Yeah. Right. Yep. So it's just, so sad in a mm. way, but I'm hoping that in the future that can be changed. Can I can I throw a theory that I have at you? Because I'm curious just what your take on it is. Sure. So one of the things that, because um, I am of the same mind that I want professional tier, professional tier bowlers to be able to make not just a living, but to be like, you know, financially as successful as every other, at least, at least get closer, maybe not as, as much, but like you said, like the the major league baseball minimum salary is like $500,000 a year to just ride the pine. You know, they have to go through a lot. They got to pay their dues in the minor leagues, but once they get there, once, cause everyone pays their dues in every sport, you paid your dues. Everyone does. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they, once they get there, there's a big old pillow for them to sit on of hundred dollar bills. Um, so one of my ideas and theories and ways in which I would love, love to just experiment with is, um, sponsors want attention, right? They want people to see their brand names on television, on social media, that sort of stuff. You know, you're affiliated with different brands, Storm, Turbo, the in specifically industry industry. You've I think you've got a couple outside the industry with the health and fitness stuff now too. Um, but it's attention. They want eyes. They want people to see what it is that they're trying to do through the vehicle of people who are excelling in what they do. And it's my personal opinion that if bowlers were to become popular utilizing social media mechanisms, regardless of how well they are um, actually bowling. Like you can be an average bowler and still generate a lot of attention because social media lets you. We all are entertaining in our own ways. We all have our own insights. We all have our own ways in which to engage social media. My theory is that if you flip uh, flip it on its head and then you put social media stars on bowling TV telecasts, sponsors will have to be a part of it because they're going to be like, I'm not going to miss that attention because 
this person who has a multi-million person following on TikTok is now going to be on CBS Sports. And I have to put my brand on that. It becomes a lot easier to sell because you're going to put in front of 2 million people that you're going to be on a show and then, you know, safe 10% tune in. That's 200,000 people. That's a pile of people. That's a big audience for a sponsor to latch onto. But you're taking the power back. Like you're taking control over building the audience rather than waiting for CBS or Bolero or some of these other big, large entities to give you the platform for you to excel on. Now, I could be completely off base there, but I'm curious what your opinion is on that matter. Yeah, I've never um, had that kind of thought. I like it. But then at the same time, if you're going to have somebody who has, let's say, 10 million followers, just, I don't know, a makeup artist or something, yeah. mm -hmm. and he's going to be on our telecast commentating. Oh, oh no, I'm saying but... you as you, Diana, would become, you utilize the platform of TikTok to generate a following like you're the TikTok star, not a makeup artist or something like yeah, that. I don't know how to be one. Sure you do. So if you want to be my manager, I'll reach out to you and then we, we can decide and have a business plan and everything because I'm awful at social media. And I know that's like our world nowadays right. and I hate it. I you hate okay? social media okay. because it's like I try to be as transparent as possible, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but then... A lot of times you have these people that want to say, you know, because everybody has haters. I have haters. I have awesome fans. Mm -hmm. um, but those haters, you know, they they don't mind getting behind the keyboard and typing, yeah. you know, like really hurtful things. So yep. and then there's so much in social media yeah. uh, like that. And um, and in general, I hate social media. I'm on there just because I have to promote my sponsors and right. you know, I want to promote the sport. Um, but if you could get me 10 million followers, <laughs> then I might like social media a little bit more. See, I think yeah. that, um, I, I just want to, I, I, it's one of those things where I would want to maybe have you just think about it a little bit differently because I 100% agree with you that social media in that overly positive context or like that super curated person, toxic as hell. I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. I'm out. Mm -hmm. I, I just, you're, you're clearly not that person. No one is. We're all full of error and flaws and mistakes and whatever. But um, one of the things that I found very interesting, and I actually I'm curious what your feedback was after your post on Instagram, actually from you know your your audience is the more vulnerable that I've been just personally, um, you know, utilizing those channels. Actually, the better feedback, the better engagement, um, because social media from about, well, you know, because 2004, 2005 was MySpace and then Facebook comes around and Instagram, like when Instagram filters really hit, that's when that like curation kind of really hit a, a peak. But now I think it's starting to turn the other way. Now I think it's people want stories. They want people to be on the internet. And, and I think that super curated way of doing things, it's still going to exist. There's still, there's still entertainment value to that. People are always going to do that. However, there's also a massive opportunity to be really, really real. So yes. you, you made that choice. What was the feedback like? It was actually very good. Um, and I think 
And I agree with you. And I think people are also realizing that they're starting to like the the transparent and like the real things on social media because everybody's so used to the filter. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm, everybody's, most girls are guilty of using filters because they want to make ourselves look better, mm-hmm. but it's filter. Like it's not real. It's right. not you. Right. It's like, that's why I hate social media because it's all like the perspective is you want everybody to see that you're, you know, you're, you're beautiful, you're glamorous. My life is perfect. And I have this and this and that. So not people don't want to talk about their, you know, like the bad things that happen to them. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So, and I think now, um, when people are real, um, they appreciate that. So mm-hmm. when I did make my post you know, about the mental health and the other posts, I've actually had a lot of people reach out to me, the pros reach out to me personally mm-hmm. and saying like, oh, thank you for sharing this because I'm also struggling with my mental health, but they just decide to do it um, like quietly, yeah. like they're trying mm-hmm. to, you know, not, not talk about it because I think people are scared to share something bad that's happening to them because the other people going to say bad things, mm-hmm. right? But I guess my message, especially about the mental health is it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like just because I'm struggling with the mental health doesn't mean that something is wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, I'm seeing a psychologist. It's like a doctor, you know, for my brain. Mm-hmm. So, and it's something that it's okay. And there's so many people that go through it and, you know, you're not alone. And that's why I wanted to speak about it mm-hmm. um, because there are so many people that go through it and it's okay. And I wish that we could change that, um, image i guess in social media mm-hmm. and be more real see that and i'm telling you that that's the opportunity that's where it lies because it like it's not that the only thing that is that it's waiting on is you the only thing that it's waiting on is people to go to to make that choice to be vulnerable to put it out there and yes it's scary as hell because all of a sudden my flaws are um published Right. Like I have now like this thing that's in my head that I don't want to exist now exists to everybody else in the world. Scary as hell. Mm -hmm. Totally get it. I totally understand why people don't necessarily want to do that. But I think that, you know, and actually knowing that the feedback and the um, the reception of that for yourself um, as kind of the first mover, especially in our industry, you no, know, nobody else, men's, women's, anything. You're the, you were the first person to talk about it, at least at again that A tier type level. Um, and it's been overwhelmingly positive. You know, like I, I went and I read all the comments. I didn't, I always say I don't get your direct messages, but I'm sure those are overwhelmingly positive. Yep. And there's so much that people want those that they look up to, to be real. And a lot of people look up to you as a bowler and as a human. And if you can be that real person, you know, then you're going to be able to engage with those people so much more effectively because now it's now you're not they don't feel like they're kind of punching up when they're trying to talk to you or, you know, uh, put comments in in an Instagram post or something like that. It's just no, it's Mm -hmm. it's another person that's trying to make a living bowling and wants to see it grow and succeed and is also struggling a little bit and is working through it. So. I guess as a way of saying again, thank you really, because uh, somebody had to do it. Um, but yeah, also, because also I want to add that, yeah. you know, like my fans and other people, they look at us pro bowlers and like, Oh, you know, they have everything. They're throwing it so good. And you know, it's yeah. like so easy to them, but even like, you know, Jason Belmonte had a season that mm-hmm. he 
I don't think he even made the show. Like, and I'm struggling with my mental health and other people, like it's normal. Like it happens. Like we also, like we are human, mm-hmm. right? We're not robots. Like we're human. And we also go through many, many things in our life. Mm-hmm. So, um, just makes us human. So in terms of, you know, kind of, if you had a, 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 a message that you would want to put out there, you know, how is that, how has that been adapted since that post? You're like, what are the, how are the, how is your process of implementing those solutions kind of, you know, I guess maybe, maybe this is a better question first. Do you see the light at the end of the tunnel? Like with me mentally yeah. or with what? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I do, especially after the U S open. Yeah. So, um, I definitely do. Good. Yeah. And then like, how would you say, like, what would you want to tell the world, I guess, kind of about that process? If you could kind of wrap it up in a, in a nice paragraph. Yeah, I am not good with words. I have to, like, <laughs> say, right? Because sure, English sure. is also not my first language. It's always my excuse. Um, it's easier. Like if I sit down and I write something, yeah. and I edit and this and yeah. that, but yeah. <sighs> you will get through it. Um, you just have to be patient and don't be afraid to seek for help because it is okay. Like it is okay. If you are struggling mentally, go find someone, pay someone who does it for a living to help you. So, and also like reach out to your closer friends Mm -hmm. because like now me and Dottie and Verity are are closer also. and, And they're trying to be more like uplifting with me and trying to help me also. Um, so and just know that you're not alone. And mm. a lot of people go through it. See, sure. my favorite part about asking that question and getting responses like that is what I've done in the past with people in other industries is I, I'll take that and I'll make that the little clip that goes on the internet and I'm just going to send it to you. So when you're in that dark place again, if it ever comes back, you can just listen to yourself say the thing <laughs> that you need to have said. <laughs> and it's because I also started coaching and bowling and I had some people that asked for my like mental game advice so I'm like you know I I give this whole spiel like you should you know watch out of time and you know this and that and then I don't like implement that on myself it's like okay maybe (laughs) I should listen to myself like more often right yep uh do you coach uh team or do you coach individuals or just individually yeah because um I've had a lot of people ask me for many, many years, but I travel so much. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gone half of the year, but then when I come home, I want to be home. I don't want to be like more in a bowling center than I need to be. Right. Mm-hmm. So I've been telling people like, okay, maybe in the future I'm going to be coaching. Um, so, but then when I canceled the world bowling tour um, and PLBA, I had so much time and I was like, I have an opportunity to coach. Mm-hmm. So I've been coaching quite a bit, actually. Yeah, uh, it was a relatively pleasant experience. I hope. Yes, and I have, and I have uh, kids and and middle age, and my favorite one. He is ninety, ninety or ninety five years old, gentleman. Yeah, he is awesome. Like he bowls every single day, <laughs> every day. Like I, I think, like between seven to twelve games, and I'm wow. like, wow. Yeah, every single day. And I asked him, I was like, like, why are you bowling so much? Like, do, do your hands hurt? And he's like, yeah, they hurt. But what else am I going to do? I love this. I'm just going to bowl. That's I was awesome. like, oh, like that breaks my heart. Like, yeah, it's very cute. He's the cutest. I had a 
lesson with him. Has there been anything that you've learned in the coaching process that maybe you didn't learn in the competitive process? Or like, what have you kind of learned about yourself or about even about the game in the coaching process? So most of my students have been more like beginners sure. to like almost an amateur. Yeah. Um, those are the hardest ones in my mind to coach because there's so much in bowling, like so much knowledge. Mm-hmm. So when I coach, I try to give you as much as possible, yep. but then it's like, you know, I'm talking to this person, like explaining about the patterns and, and this and this and that. And they're just like, <laughs> like, what? Yep. <laughs> like, cause I had no idea. Right. And, um, it just, I learned that I need to simplify things. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's the one thing I've learned just to like, keep it simple. Yeah. Have you found that you apply that to yourself now a little bit too? Even like, even I know it's irritating, but in your physical game where it's like, maybe I just, I'm overthinking this. <laughs> I know I'm overthinking. And yesterday I had a lesson and she was an overthinker and I have so many overthinkers and it's like, yeah, like, and I can relate to that. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I do, cause I videotape myself every single practice mm-hmm. just to make sure my swing is where I want it to be and, yep. and all that. Yep. Um, and then a lot of times it's like, okay, like you need to stop overthinking. I like, just keep it simple. It's working. Like mm-hmm. why are you even trying to change it? Yeah. So. Well, it's like, how many times have you lost a match in the ninth and then you just absolutely crush the last three because your swings loose and you're not thinking yeah. at all. Like, I've I have tried so hard to bottle that that up, and it's just like if I don't if I don't care as much, like just let me let me just breathe here for a second. <laughs> All of a sudden, that swing loosens up, and it just the ball gets off your hand nice and easy, and it's 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 bowling is easier actually that way. But um, I have to ask the new hairdo. Yeah, I, lo- I love it. I love it. What now? Did you, you did that when you went back home, right? Yes. Well, or right before. I, um, I um, I've had dreads before when I was, I think, like fifteen or sixteen, because I was still skateboarding and I was this, you know, skater chick. Yeah. And I've always had something with my hair. Like hair yeah. is like my, like art, I yeah. guess, if I can say that. I've always had something. And, uh, I was just one day I was sitting at home here and I was like, Oh, one dreadlocks because it's like, I was missing my long hair, like for whatever reason, cause I haven't missed it in the last six years. And then one day I was like, yeah, I really want to like, you know, touch my hair. And when I have my short hair, I have to put hairspray every single oh, day. Yeah. And I buy like one of the more expensive ones. So I've spent so much money on just a hairspray and always has to be perfect. And when I leave the house, I cannot leave without having a product in my hair. Mm. And I, and I just, one day I, I got lazy and I was like, okay, I have enough of this. I need to do like something. And, um, I love Amazon. So I, I <laughs> went on Amazon. I was like, Oh, let me, you know, look up some dreadlocks. And I bought some dreadlocks for 20 bucks and I got them like a few days later. And, and I tried to put them on. It, it, it took me, I think like six hours to put them on. Like, cause I was doing it myself Yeah. and they looked awful and <laughs> they were just awful so then my boyfriend came home and i was like can you help me get them all out so we spent like another three hours trying to get them out and i was like okay i'm never gonna have dreadlocks again and then the next day i was telling the story to my mom because i was gonna go to latvia like the following week Mm -hmm. and she's like oh well we can get your dreadlocks when you come home because you know we have this uh, friend that does it and i was like okay let's do it yeah and uh yeah so when i got it done and uh, i love it because 
So I've had it now for almost two weeks. Mm -hmm. And yesterday was the first time I washed my hair. Okay. Since I've got them done. So it just makes my life so easy. I know it sounds (laughs) gross, but it's it's not as gross as it sounds. Um, So it just makes my life a little easier, (laughs) I guess. I I can relate Um, to the not washing the hair thing, but I also haven't had any hair for like eight years. (laughs) No, that's cool, though. I have considered shaving it all off, too. But I'm also in this stage where... I want to grow my hair out, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But I also love the dreadlocks. Like that, I've always loved the dreadlocks. And um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, one of those things. And, and I posted on social media, and of course, a lot of them were good. Um, some of them were not very good. Um, mm. Some of them I had to even delete because it was just too much. Yeah. So, but that's social media for you. It is. It is. I have, um, you know, like I, I'm very, very early in this journey, but um, I did a video last week about nationals and how I think that not releasing oil patterns is dumb. And I, and like, I'm just a curious person. Like, I'm not going to wear some haters comment that's got a 170 average out, you know, at the open. But I, I just read them all. I was like, I want to know how many people actually agree with this idea. And it was like 10% were negative. Like 10% were like, this guy's an idiot. And I, I realized in that moment that how hard those stick. And then I was like, I just, yeah. I just really need to not care about this opinion <laughs> at all. Yeah. And cause there's so much, there's so much garbage out there. There's so much, there's so many people that have nothing better to do than just dump on somebody else who's trying. And it's, it's just, you know, as as much as it sucks that it exists, there was an overwhelming positivity about it too. And it's just like, I'm just going to focus on that. I'm just going to say, yep, that exists. And he's just going to be miserable and that's fine. He's welcome <laughs> to, and I'm going to have my dreadlocks and I'm going to love them because it's great. Yeah. But some of them really can like get to you, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. They stick. Um, like they're, they are much yeah. tackier than positive comments because pop is positive is it's, it's, um, you know, you remember for every one bad comment or every, every 10 good comments, you remember that one bad one. It's like, it's, it's a one to 10 ratio and you need, it's just, it's not very functional. It's not a great system. I wish it was better. I don't know how to necessarily make it better because we're pretty far down the rabbit hole at this point. But yeah, you're absolutely right. There's just, some people are just gonna dump on it for no reason, for no good reason at all. Yeah, but I also wish that something uh, my boyfriend talks about a lot is if you can say it to the person, like to your face, Mm -hmm. then it should be illegal to even type it. Yeah. Right? Because like probably 99% of the people that sit behind the screen and they type all these things would never say that to your face yeah. ever. Like I've never had, yeah, I don't think I've ever had like anyone in my face telling me like, oh, like, you know, your hair sucks. So you should cut it off or mm-hmm. like, you know, like mean things. Mm-hmm. So You're also kind of a hard ass like, though. I, I to be. You are rather intimidating. <laughs> I've heard that a lot, actually. Do you think, yeah. do you see that as a positive personal trait? Yes and no. Yeah. I, a lot of times <laughs> when we both proam, and I love proams, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, it's, it's, I think it's awesome that, you know, professional gets to vote amateur and yeah. they get to meet the pros and this and that. And a lot of times I hear fans be like, oh, you're actually very nice. <laughs> and I'm like, Thank you. <laughs> so it's just funny because when I bowl, I'm there to 
kick your ass. I'm not there to socialize. I'm not there to make friends. I'm here to win, Mm -hmm. right? And then after we can go to the bar, we can have beer and chat and this and that. So, but people, they, they watch as well all the time. So they think like, that's our, like, that's how we are 24 seven. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people are just amazed how like nice I am, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm a bowl of pro-am and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's funny to me. Um, you don't have to, there's no reason to name names, but has that ever got like that intensity, like ever gotten in the way of like being uh, at least uh, professional, I guess, with other bowlers. Cause like, it, cause I'm from Wisconsin. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to digress here just for a second. Um, in, in the state of Wisconsin, like everybody is so horribly competitive that like, we're almost to the point that everybody that bowls competitively just doesn't like each other anymore. <laughs> it's very not great. I'm not saying that this is the ideal, but I'm hoping that the tour isn't like that, but has that ever kind of gotten in the way? Um, yes and no. Um, honestly, I don't care. Right, right. What other people think about me. Like, I care that my true friends, they know who I am and, you know, they love me for who I am and that's all I care about. Um, there are people that still think that I'm, you know, I don't know if I can say that word. You can. You're, (laughs) yep, you're, you're allowed. You're, I'm a bitch. Yep. Right. Yeah. So, but if they, if that's what they want to think, that's like, doesn't affect me. I don't care. Right. Right. So because I, clearly you're not my true friend because you don't know me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, my attitude actually, um, it's a funny story. So Amanda Fry. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she is a lefty from California and we bowled the Queens in 2017. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I never really seen her or heard of her before. And she was my like next match. Yep. And, um, and, uh, so we started bowling and she was striking and I was striking. And then she, I don't remember exactly what happened, but she slapped out. Oh. And I was like, oh, no, you don't do that against me. So then I went up and then I struck and I started slapping and we started like like yelling. So yeah. it was like a very competitive match, yeah. right? And I was like, yeah, you're not going to slap against me. Like, no, like that's what I do against you, right? <laughs> so it was like a really like intense, intense match because of like, you know, our personalities of like, cause, you know, we're there to win and this and that. Yeah. And now she's one of my best friends. So because of that match. Yeah. Like we became friends. That's awesome. I, that is, that's such an amazing story because yeah, she absolutely came out of nowhere, but, um, I, that was one of my favorite shows actually, cause she threw it so good that whole week. Um, uh, do you know, I, not, not that we're here to talk about Amanda Fry, but she, I don't, she didn't bowl at all this last year, did she? No, she is now, um, she's not a cop, but she is, I don't know. She's on the way to be a cop. Gotcha. But- she is going to be my roommate next month. So and she, awesome. um, yeah, so she's going to Reno cause she lives very close yeah. and she made the show there one time right. and she's a lefty and we're going to Reno. So, and, uh, she actually like at the U S open, she came out to watch me bowl and I'm just going to say that she's my lucky charm cause I made the show. Um, but she was saying that she hasn't bowled in forever. And I was like, yeah, you should go to Reno. Like mm-hmm. you have to go like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, for lefties. So uh, me, Verity, and Daddy, we convinced her. So she's uh, awesome. coming to me notable. That's yeah. awesome. I she she has such a great game. It's so simple, but um, yeah, she's a lefty. She's got it made out of Reno. <laughs> now the new installs did kind of curb that a little bit, 
you know, once once McNeil shot whatever he did that one year at Nationals and just yeah. broke the record that'll never get broken. I they they were like maybe we should <laughs> do something about that, but um, I'm I'm I can't I can't not ask what's favorite ball in your bag right now. Do you have right one? now yeah. probably RSP X one or two X one. Yeah, what is yeah. that? I don't remember. Is that what you threw on the show at the open? Yeah, so I actually threw two different balls to the US Open. Because um, I started with the RST. No, nope. I started with the Rubicon. Yep. And then, like, after like frame four or five on the left lane, I switched to RST. But that was the ball I was using majority of the time. Yeah. So, but that ball is awesome. I also made the Queen show with that ball. Yep. So. Yep. And that choice, because you made the conscious choice, like, during was it during practice at the U.S. Open? Or, like, when was the decision made that I'm going to play, like, right of 10 this whole time? Um... Because mm, it was pretty early now, on. I think, because we had after, uh, like, when you, because we had three different patterns, like the qualifying, right? And then, like, when you made the top whatever it was 32, 65, I don't remember yeah, now. Yeah. And then there was a fourth pattern. And then we actually had a practice session for that pattern. And gotcha. um, that's when like, you know, I try it in and out. And um, yeah, I think because I, you have to control your ball speed. And that's something I'm really good at. And mm-hmm. I just found it to be easier playing right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. that's, yeah, that's, um, did you find which which of the four patterns did you find to be the most difficult? The the second the, the flat day, one the flat flat yeah, yeah. That, that one is impossible. Did, <laughs> yeah, because I was talking to um, last week or two weeks ago to Ashley Galante about that. She said it never shaped into anything. Like the like normally with flat patterns, some sort of friction gets burnt into it at some point. Did you ever see yeah, like I'm any still shape? Trying to find the ball reaction in that pattern. So, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. but it was uh, we all saw it coming because a it's U.S. Open yeah and the, the first pattern was somewhat playable mm-hmm. so we just knew that one of the days it's going to be like brutal yeah so, and it happens to be the second day um yeah. so everybody expected to not strike a lot so mm-hmm. it was just about surviving that day yeah yeah and that was for for if I would have been there it would have been the whole tournament because holy cow. <laughs> That was so hard. Um, I guess at this point, um, I have taken plenty of your evening. Um, like I said, I try to keep these to about an hour, two hour and a half. And I just want to say again, thank you so very much because, um, like I said, I'm really early on in this journey. I had super big anxiety about this because I felt like I was punching up all day because somebody that I really have looked up to for a long time. Um, and it's, it's actually, so you and I are, it's, it's, this is the weird part about the, the world in which you live. You're not that much, you're actually younger than me, which is strange, not by a lot. And it's like, I have, I've always had this perception cause I watched, I watched you win that singles championship live. Right. And I've watched like every time that you've won. And it's just, it's been one of those things where Diana has always existed since I started bowling and just was super nervous about it. So, um, thanks for keeping it light and having fun and, um, also being a part of it because, uh, I think your story, your message is really powerful. And that was really my goal in just giving you some sort of opportunity to get that out into the world because, 
you are you know it better than anybody else because people have talked to you personally that there's a lot of people that struggle with that um that that process of maintaining a positive mental game or even just a mental attitude even just in life in general and um the fact that you can do that from the 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 mount in which you have rose yourself up to essentially you you haven't been given a pedestal um without you know just cause you have earned your way up that mountain and you can still say hey it's not always great up here guys and i'm really thankful for that so thank you very much for that um yeah that's very very nice (laughs) i really appreciate what you were just saying and uh you know mental is so important and it's funny because I've had a lot of people tell me in the past like your oh, mental game is everything and you know everybody knows like in bowling mental game is so important mm-hmm. and then I didn't really realize how important it was yeah. until I've been in this very dark place and now it's like oh my god like it changed my whole like season right mm-hmm. because like the thoughts that you're having in your head um so it's super super important it's more important than you can even realize yeah Right? Yep. Because like all my coaches in the past are like, yeah, mental game, mental game. It's like, what mental game? Like, what are you talking about? But then until you're like in that really like low point, yep. you don't realize how important it is. Mm-hmm. So, but um, you, you've been awesome. And I, I love talking Thank about you. this and, and I'm definitely going to be talking more about mental yeah. health and mental game in the future. Cause I think it's something that is very important and it's yeah. not talked about a lot. But it makes me happy that the other athletes from the other sports are talking about it. Mm-hmm. So I just wish that the people understood it a little bit more. But I think they don't understand it so much because it's not talked about a lot. Yep. So like Simone Biles, like, you know, she withdrew the, uh, the Olympics and people are like, ah, oh, she's a quitter. She's a quitter. Mm-hmm. But you don't know, like, you know, what exactly happened, like what right. is going on in her head and like the past that she had mm-hmm. that she's now dealing with. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's very, very important. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Um, I also may send you a message about potentially trying to get you to 10 million followers on TikTok. I don't know. I, do that. I, 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 no, that, that sounds awesome. So if you have like an idea how got, to do it, I, I'm all for I got it. Lots of ideas. <laughs> I got lots of ideas. Um, well, Diana, again, thank you so very, very much for being on this 10 pin life podcast. Um, I want to wish you the absolute best of luck out in Reno as well. Um, I think that's if with the process in which you have going on right now, it might not be the end of that tunnel, but I'm really glad that you're working your way out of it because you have a game that's really, really worth keeping in the game. Like phys- your, your ability to bowl is worth valuing in the sport and being able to have a quality mental game to go behind that to uphold it and propel it forward, I think is really, really cool. So thanks for sharing your story. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Awesome. You have a wonderful. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the 10 pin life podcast. A massive thank you to goes out to Diana for going through this journey with me and being one of my early guests on this podcast. She was a great guest and I'm so thankful that we were able to have this conversation. If you like conversations like this and want to hear more, please be sure to hit like hit subscribe on the channel that you're on, but also share it with your friends, but that's going to be it for this week. And don't forget your best life is a 10-pin life. See ya.